Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. Um, I'm going to need to move kind of quickly, hopefully hit all the significant points in this. We are continuing on in the, in the gospel according to Mark chapter 13. <clears throat> a little bit of background. Um, the conversation was provoked by uh, one of the disciples saying to Jesus, pointing out just how beautiful the temple was. And Jesus' response was, not one stone would be left upon another. The uh, the idea of the total destruction uh, of the temple. Um I'm going to try my best in the sermon not to take any leaps uh, because, trust me, when you get into this conversations with people, there can be some pretty big leaps that people take. Uh, we're not going to be taking those leaps. We're going to take a look at what the Scripture has to say about this. We're going to talk about specifically what the Scripture has to say about this. Um, if you'd like to, because we will get there, you can actually um, take your Bibles back to uh, our, our, and hold your spot there. Daniel chapter 7. Um, you can hold your spot back in Daniel chapter 7. Not quite there yet, but we will be. Um, but a recap on last week <clears throat> was, uh, number one, the point is this, folks. Never say it won't happen in our lifetimes. Never say it won't happen. Um, Christians are way too emotional about this, about this topic. Uh, emotions make people, um, make people even uh, deny that this is something that they may have to go through. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you, based on all of the evidence that I know, <clears throat> I stand firmly on the fact that we as Christians will see tribulation. We will see it. We will see it. Um, we're seeing tribulation now, not nothing like we will see, uh, or those who are alive at the point, that, the point in time that this happens. Uh, but my hillbilly logic arguments were, one, how can the church be tried if it's not here? And uh, people say, well, God wouldn't expect us to go through that. To anybody that says that, my response would be, how many apostles were martyred? <clears throat> All of them, but one. And the one that wasn't was boiled in oil. He got to die of old age, but he had to recover from being boiled in oil. Uh, so never say God will not let us will not let us go through this stuff. Um, now, God's compassionate. We're going to see that in this particular passage of Scripture. It doesn't mean that Christians will not lose their lives at the time that this stuff begins to take place. Um. I'm not saying because I think that it's rather difficult to pinpoint a particular time that we're living in, but I can tell you now that the things that we're looking at going on in the world now are biblical. This is not a coincidence. They're biblical. Now, again, I can't say it's going to happen tomorrow. I can't say it's going to happen in 50 years. I can't say it's going to happen in 100 years. What I can say is that it's going to happen. And my number one concern for every individual who is a believer is to be ready. I talk about all the time in sermons, don't get distracted. We get distracted by emotional things. We get distracted by things that really don't amount to a whole lot uh, of, of real <clears throat> things to get emotional about. And I'm not, playing <clears throat> I'm not playing games with words and people's emotions. The fact is, folks, the devil's doing everything he can to distract the church. And if he can distract the church, he can keep the, the church out of his word. If he can keep the church out of his word, he can make his church not be prepared for what's coming. And it is vitally important that we are ready for what's coming. Now, the nice thing is for us to be ready what's coming eventually also prefer, prepares us for what's coming tomorrow. This isn't, this isn't a prepper's sermon. We're not prepping for something 
that uh, just prepping for something that's coming maybe 50 years from now. Um, anything that we learn that makes us stronger in the Lord, that makes us ready for these things that the Bible tells us is coming, those things are also very beneficial to whatever struggle or challenge you may face tomorrow. Um, in this, the first sermon in this, in this, uh, series, and it may end up turning into a series. I have to see how I get through, how I go through this, because <clears throat> I'm definitely supposed to be finishing it. Um, again, was provoked by, um, by a disciple seeing the temple, pointing out how beautiful the buildings were. Jesus saying uh, that there would be a time when not one stone would be left upon another. He talked about uh, parents giving up children, uh, children giving up parents, uh, brothers and, and sisters and sisters and brothers giving each other up uh, to death. <clears throat> um, the signs, um, nations rising against nations, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places and as i said with all of those things he's not talking about what we see today okay because we're seeing wars and rumors of wars but when we see that when we see the this particular um event in life that he's talking about it will be so much bigger than anything we see now earthquakes same way you may see an earthquake that'll happen somewhere two weeks later it'll happen somewhere else and two weeks later another one will happen somewhere else <clears throat> when it says earthquakes in various places, it's talking about all at the same time. So don't think, uh, man, we may not be able to see this because we live on New Madrid and there's earthquakes every day from the New Madrid. They're small. We most of the time don't even feel them. It's not the kind of earthquakes he's talking about. When he says in various places, he's talking about major earthquakes in a whole lot of places at the same time. It will uh, make us sit up and take notice if we know that these are the signs. When the world turns against itself and we, and we begin to hear people not only talk about invading people, but we see widespread invasions, <clears throat> um, at least time to sit up and take notice. Uh, but he says in, uh, in chapter four, uh, verse 14, chapter 13, <clears throat> he says, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. <clears throat> So basically, here what he's talking about, he's talking about the temple, and when the Antichrist raises a uh, idol in the temple, did he say, pack your stuff? Is that what he said? He didn't say, pack your stuff. He said, flee to the mountains. Look what he says in 15. Let him who is on the housetop not go down or enter in to get anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. How fast do you think this is going to happen? Fast. And that's the point that he's trying to make here. When you see the abomination of desolation, when you see the idol standing where it should not be, do not mess around. The structure of the houses back then, uh, which is why he used it here, the stairs wasn't inside of the house because the house wasn't big enough to put stairs inside of it. The stairs were on the outside of the house. So he's saying, if you're on your rooftop when this happens, you don't even go in the house. You go down the stairs and leave. If you're in the field, you don't go home, don't, don't even go home to get a coat. Flee to the mountains immediately. Now, to us, this means that it's going to happen very, very fast. Fast being a relative term, I think that, um, you know, from a realistic standpoint, I think that people in the country are probably going to... Uh, have a little bit more time than people in heavily populated areas. I think that 
people who aren't preachers may have a little bit more time than preachers. I think that, you know, there'll be a point in time where they'll, they'll actually target church leaders. They'll target church organizations. Um, <clears throat> a little frightening. Yes. Reality. Yes. I mean, if you believe what Jesus says in verse 17, it gets a little bit more real. He says, but woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. <clears throat> Hate to even talk about this because the fact is it's just evil. But the fact that he's pointing out here, woe to those who are with child, means that there are going to be babies that are killed while they're still in their mother's womb. This is giving us a pretty horrifying picture of exactly how serious the circumstance this is. And those who are nursing babies, how fast can you run? And the word woe, it literally means... Sorrow for those who are with babies. Sorrow for those who have babies that they're nursing. Because at that particular time, folks, I mean, how many of you guys have ever seen the the uh, morality in the world take leaps to the point that it actually shocked you? I remember having some conversations with some people who have passed on, uh, have passed on since, but to them... When uh, when abortion was legalized, they never dreamt in a million years that the United States of America would create a law that said that you're okay to murder a baby in, in the mother's womb. Never believed it could happen. Have you ever seen things happen in the world since you've been alive that you honestly looked at and said, I could never believe that that happened. Never believe that they would let that happen. Never believe they would pass a law that would allow that to happen. Never close your mind when it comes to the end times. Never close your mind to the limitations or the lack of limitations of evil and the extent that it will go to in order to snuff out Christianity. This is a fact, folks. We have entered the age of church inconvenience. We're inconvenient to the world at this point. Because when they look at us, they see a God who places limitations on what's right and what's wrong. They see us as being someone who's in the way for them to be able to obtain what it is that they want to obtain. And the person who's lost is no different than Satan himself. We are in his way. What do you think would happen in this world if every Christian was snatched out? How fast do you think morality would fall at that point? No more Christian lawmakers. No more Christian police officers. No more Christian judges. No more Christians in automobiles. How much do you think road rage would increase? How much do you think a lack of justice would increase? We are in immorality's way. We are in evil's way. Never close your mind to just how evil evil can be. There's a reason that Jesus put in verse 17, Woe to those who are with child. They will do unspeakable things to people who are believers in Jesus. It's a fact. Verse 18, But pray that it may not happen in winter. Winter. Let's... Let's lay this scenario out. This happens in our lifetime. 
The Antichrist is in control of government, is in control of authority. Is the best thing to do jump in your car and take off down I-55? You can't travel roads if you're a Christian. They will have roadblocks. They will be looking for us. It's a fact. I mean, if they weren't looking for us, then why would it be necessary that they don't go back to their house but leave? That they don't go in their house if they're on their rooftop but they leave to flee to the mountains? They will be looking for us. Could you imagine it being wintertime and you actually traveling cross-country trying to stay off the roads? What if you had to cross Big River when it's 18 degrees outside? Because you have to cross rivers and streams if you're planning on going very far. There's not You cannot walk through the woods very long in our area or any area that I'm aware of without coming to a river or a stream. Pray that it doesn't happen in winter. Could you imagine having to leave your house with it 18 degrees outside? Verse 19 says, For those days will be a time of tribulation which has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall. This is a different tribulation than the tribulation that anybody could ever speak of. Christians have gone through tribulation. We still go through tribulation. But this tribulation is different than any other tribulation that Christians have experienced before, which is why this actually gets the title, The Great Tribulation. It is a tribulation like has never been, a tribulation like we will never ever see again. What picture is Jesus? Is Jesus a fearmonger? Is he a fearmonger? Or do you think everything he has to say to us, he says to us because he thinks it's important? It's important. How many of you have ever done anything in your life that you knew wasn't going to be good? But when you did it, it turned out way worse than you thought it would. <laughs> Couldn't even prepare yourself for how bad it was going to turn out. The fact is, folks, we, every one of us as believers throughout our entire life, we have two categories that we throw everything. I believe it. Or I refuse to believe it. Those two categories will either catapult you forward in your relationship with Christ or they will tie you down and hold you back in your relationship with Christ. Everything that you've read in the Scripture, you will put in one of those two categories. And your actions and who you are from that point forward will be determined by the category in which you put that thing into. I can go through this passage of Scripture, and you can say, I believe it. If you believe it, you're going to prepare for it. Right? But if you refuse to believe it, we won't prepare for it. And I am begging you, don't be unprepared. The sky's the limit when it comes to what evil is, what evil will do. What would be cruel was if Jesus didn't tell us anything. And it just happened. But this tribulation, I can guarantee you, no, no matter how bad you can imagine it, it'll be worse. I want to ask you a serious question. Does that concern you? 
It's not a trick question. And my hope is that your answer to that question is yes. It concerns me. Because no human being will ever do anything about anything that they're unconcerned with. If I told you in order for you to make it through this time that you needed to know your Bible, if this time concerns you, guess what it's going to encourage you to do? Know your Bible. Folks, let's be honest. Be honest, not with me. Be honest with yourself. How many times in a week do you pick your Bible up? Me? I've been guilty of preparing sermons. You say, well, that's not a bad thing. But is preparing sermons Bible study? When I'm preparing sermons, I'm basically researching something I already know. I'm just backing it up. Refreshing my memory. How often do we read our Bible? And when we do read it, do we read it to fill some qualification in our mind that we're spending 10 or 15 minutes with God? Or when we read it, do we read it with the intention of God revealing something to us? When's the last time that you've opened up the Bible and before you started reading, you asked God, God, pierce my heart, show me something in here that will hurt. Show me something in here that will move me. Something that will demand that this comfort, that this uh, conforming to Jesus Christ is something that can be provoked from Him. When's the last time that we've prayed not just to get through the prayer? How many times a day do we pray? Do we follow the biblical model? Do we pray without ceasing? Are we in constant communication with God? Nobody can stand back and tell you where you are in your, in your relationship with Jesus. But I'm telling you this, folks. Most of the church is not ready for what's coming. I'm talking about the church in the world. We're included in that. But I can tell you that the church in the world, they are not anywhere near ready for this. And if people were to assess their own relationships with God with where they're at, what would the answer be? Preachers don't stand in the pulpit and preach words that and pray that God will use it to be convicting that God will use it. We don't stand up here and do that because it gives us some sense of authority when we can stand up here, share a few words, and provoke people to do something. That's not what we're after. Any preacher who's worth his salt knows what's coming. Tomorrow. The day after. Hell is on your heels. Anybody want to doubt that? Hell is on our heels, folks. It is doing everything it can every day of our life to create a distance between us and God. And we honestly think we'll get through this. These troubles of tomorrow. The troubles of the day after. If you were going into war... And you had the option to one, enter war with a weapon. Or two, enter war with a weapon, being trained, being put through exercise, given knowledge about warfare, 
Which of the two ways would you choose to go into war? Would you choose just the weapon? I venture to say that every one of us, if we were given the choice, we would much rather go into war fully prepared rather than just going into war with a weapon. Every day of our life is an opportunity for us to prepare. To prepare not only for a battle that's ongoing, but to prepare also for a battle that's coming. And the church in this country is not ready for it. Verse 20 says, Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Can anybody in here tell me how long is the tribulation? I heard this phrase several times. What's it called? The seven-year tribulation, right? It's called the seven-year tribulation. Flip over real quick to Daniel. He says here, remember, in that passage of Scripture, he just said, for the sake of the elect, he would shorten those days. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, says, and he will speak out, it's talking about the Antichrist, he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. At the time, I want to research this a little bit more. Revelation chapter 11 through Revelation chapter 13 says three more times. In one place, it says 42 months. In one place, it gives the, the number of days, 1,260 days. And in, in one more place, in the book of Revelation, it uses this phrase, time, times, and a half a time. A total of five times in the scripture, it gives us the length of time for three and a half years. Seven-year tribulation. Because God has mercy for each and every one of us. He shortened it for the sake of the elect. And that's important to catch too. He shortened it to three and a half years. It's not that the tribulation will no longer be seven years. It's just that the believer will not be here after three and a half years. After three and a half years... Well, it says it in the next verses. We get down to 24. It says in 21, Then if anyone says to you, If anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he, he, is, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order, if possible, to lead the elect stray. But take heed. Behold, I have told you everything in advance. There are going to be individuals who pop up, who claim to be Christ, who show pseudo-miracles. You know what a pseudo-miracle is? Same thing that pseudo means here. Fake. Fake miracles. How many of you guys have ever seen magicians? Have you seen any of the modern-day magicians? I have watched some magicians, and I'm like, that guy has got Satan himself because I don't know how in the world. I mean, a guy sticking his arm through a metal door. His arm visibly being stuck through a metal door. And then he pulls his arm out and the door's healed. A man walked on water. That made me sit up straight. 
Like, oh, no, he was walking on glass. They had individuals standing up in the water, walking around this guy. As he walked across the swimming pool and stepped out of it on the other side. You believe that was real? Nope. It was pseudo. It was fake. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he did have Satan himself in him and he was able to levitate. The same guy. I mean, if you really want somebody to to kind of give you the definition of what this is talking about, just look up Chris Angel. Because he's the dude that walked on water. He levitated himself in a city from one rooftop to the other. The whole time taking a hula hoop and running it over his body. No strings. You think that was real? You think the dude really levitated himself from one rooftop to the other? But I didn't know how he did it. And with the stuff that he put in place to actually discount any strings attached or all of those things, he all he, he did things to take that away as a possibility. I'm reasonable enough to go, there's no way. Could I prove there was no way? People with the magicians that we have in the world today that are doing the things that they're doing, do you really think that it would be that hard to mislead people? Won't be that hard. Twenty-three he said, "But take heed. Behold, I've told you everything in advance." If Jesus says it, is it believable? Why do you think he would say, take heed? Behold, I've told you everything in advance. When the creator of the universe seeks to warn us, should we pay attention? So my question is, if we believe him, if we've not filed this into the I refuse to believe column. Then how do we respond to this? When you look at a picture of who's ready, do you look like that? Are we making the most of our time in our preparation for not only what the devil has to throw at us now, But if the great tribulation is something that Jesus is warning us about, he's given us an opportunity to prepare for it. I wake up to go deer hunting. The weatherman tells me it's going to be 15 degrees outside. Guess what I dress for? 15 degrees outside. This is our God who is sending a passionate plea to his people, saying the world is evil and evil is coming for you. I'm giving you the opportunity to prepare to do everything you can to make it through this three and a half years.
I'm not a hoarder. I'm not a prepper. I mean, to some extent I am. But I'm not the type of guy who buys a closet full of food. Because I think one of the most painful things that you'd ever have to do in life is leave it. You didn't have the ability to haul it all wherever you was going. But folks, preparing for this, spiritually preparing for this, is absolutely necessary. The world we live in today, we see the signs, and I'm telling you, there are things that are going on that are biblical. I don't know if I mentioned last week. I think I did. Before they can put an idol in the temple, what has to happen? Right now, the Dome of the Rock sits in the Temple Mount. Dome of the Rock has to be destroyed. Then the temple has to be rebuilt. You lead today? Google donate for Temple Jerusalem. Did you know there's a website that's active that's actually taking collections for the rebuilding of the temple in Israel? We've got to be watching, folks. We have to be paying attention because too many people in the world today have their blinders on and they see inside their little circle. If these things are true, then that means that the the end is near. Now, I can say the end is near to God. A day is a thousand years. But Paul told Timothy 2,000 years ago, it was the last days. Do you have any friends that are lost? Family that's lost? I would venture to say that if we saw the world, the limitation of time, the need that's around us, if we recognize that, I don't believe that we're a bunch of cold-hearted people. I believe that we would do everything that we could to ease their pain. That we would do everything that we could to make sure that they were safe. But as a Christian people, we don't share the gospel like we should. Because how far out of our minds is this? If you knew that within three and a half years, Jesus was coming back for his church. The destruction of all others who refused to trust in him was coming about. How urgent at that point do you think it would be to share the gospel with those friends who don't know Jesus? Or with those family members who don't know Jesus? Because at, the, at this point, it becomes real when it becomes urgent. Why in the world we don't think about the fact that that friend or that family member, they're not promised another heartbeat. They're not promised another breath. Their eternity could start for them today. My desire... Because I see you as my responsibility. That's where God called me. Anybody watching the sermon? 
hope that it may help you. Individuals who are in the parking lot who would typically be in here if it wasn't for the coronavirus, you're my responsibility too. But you're my responsibility. And my number one concern is that you're ready to, for tomorrow. And if tomorrow the tribulation starts, that great tribulation, my prayer is that you're ready for that too. How much does Jesus love us? So much that he gave his life for us. Is that all he did? It's not all he did. I mean, when he took on that human flesh for that 33 and a half years, he lived life that gave us a perfect example of what a Christian is supposed to be. He's told us things that apart from him, human ears would have never heard. Human hearts would have never prepared for. Our relationship with him and the strength of that relationship has everything in the world to do with the type of people that we are when bad things happen to us. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, never followed through in believer's baptism. Not because I asked you to, but only if the Holy Spirit moves you. I want you to come up and tell me that you want to be saved. I can't save you, but I can spend whatever time it takes to make sure that you understand who he is and what he's done. But believer, I really hope that you're a believer. I'm not talking about really hoping that you've trusted in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the things in the Bible, if it says it, it's worthy of being put in the I believe it column. Nothing in the Bible deserves to be put in the I refuse to believe it column. If you believe it, then we've got plenty to prepare for. And it starts now. Something you've been holding on to for a long time in your life, maybe a, a sin that's been hard to break away from or something that you know the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of, but you just have not taken the step and moved in the direction that God's asked you to. I'm asking you today to listen to the Holy Spirit and whatever He says, that we be willing to move. Because it's the only way to be ready. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.